Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, poet, and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 213, When Dreaming is Not Enough. Now, as usual, we'll have an episode where I divide it into some sections. It's always good for, I think, to listen to get pieces of information in a sort of a flow. So it's easier to comprehend, and you don't have to go and listen to the show three and four times, okay? It's also easier for me when I put this together, actually, because I have to have some kind of an outline. So the first part's going to be confusing goals with a dream. Second part here is dreams or moving acts of faith. And the last part is uh, the title, pretty much, when dreaming is not enough. And that'll be our, our finale on, on the show about that. Now, what exactly do I mean when dreaming is not enough? Well, what I'm really talking about here is what I feel is, and it's not just in America, it's all over the place, the the word dream and even dreaming itself, it's used so carelessly. It's used in many ways, I feel, recklessly. And and, in many instances, you wind up, just because you're you're trying to be uh, more polite than right, like I used to say, uh, to my kids, you know, please be be more right than polite. Uh, is uh, folks, uh, they don't really want to tackle anything difficult. They rather just say some hallmark greeting uh, card, <laughs> excuse me, verse, or just something off the cuff to get them out of the out of the argument. Oh, I, I see you're training for the Olympics, but you have like uh, you know. Um, 100 pounds to go and and you don't have a muscle in your body but in four years you're going to be ready i don't know if that's a goal or if that's a dream or or if that's just a fantasy but what i do know is simply this and without to be mean just to be honest because this is the problem with a lot of this a lot of this dreaming definition stuff is people they're not honest first they're not honest with the people who are doing these sort of things and then of course the people themselves are not really honest with themselves is simply this, okay? In many instances, and that's where we're going into this first chapter here, confusing goals with a dream, it's exactly that. Don't call every time somebody has a goal a dream, because it's not a dream. Okay? Because guess what? Even though, and we'll talk about it on the show, dreams can be attainable, they're usually not. Because usually... Anything that has to do with being attainable, in many instances, on a regular basis, something that's routine, something that just, just takes some elbow grease and, and, and some work and some and some discipline, is really a goal. And this is where people sometimes confuse these two. Uh, you know, so when somebody achieves a goal, no matter how great or small it is, yeah, they've gotten a dream. What a, what a wonderful job. We'll congratulate them. God bless them, sure. But was that really a dream? Uh, no, it was just a goal. And when we confuse that, I think oftentimes we, 
we deceive ourselves and maybe even others around us. One of the things I noticed as, as a parent that always irked me was I found a lot of adults not always ready to be parents. And I don't mean that, you know, the first couple of years. It takes a while to get used to all the stuff that has to get done because it really changes your life and, and all, all aspects of it. But I'm telling you now, I don't care, you know, if you never dealt with children before or not. By, by the time they're seven, eight, nine years old, uh, you should already have an idea about what they're about, <laughs> what you should do as a parent, about your positive reinforcement, about not letting them get away with, with murder, about having some guidelines, about having some restrictions, about having some structure, so this way they're not running off someplace all the time, or, or, or even just running off at the mouth. Those parents that do that, and that's, that's how they get these kind of children. Remember, these children wind up becoming adults later on. Confused about what a dream or a goal is. Confused about all kinds of things. Because their parents wasn't really interested in being parents. They wanted to be their friends. Or they just didn't want to be around them at all. Or they're just too busy working. Or, or using that as an excuse. Or, or whatever. But to me it didn't seem like. And I, I think the word is definitely applicable in this situation. It didn't seem like they were engaged. Period. I don't mean this to be some blanket criticism against the culture but i do notice more and more as my kids get older because even they notice you know i was telling them since they were in between you know that age uh, before they hit the teenage years things i still wanted them to learn about life certain lessons certain things i wanted them to look out for a lot of times it was annoying to them a lot of times they didn't even understand when they started becoming older 12 13 14 they started noticing exactly the thing that i've been saying for years it even concerned them at times. Because they see it. They see it in other kids. They see it in other kids and, and their behavior. And, and they didn't get this behavior from school. They didn't get this behavior from a video game. They, you get this behavior because you're around or not enough around adults that don't want to provide direction. Don't really care. And keep using words like dream this and dream that. Like that means something. Whether you're a person young or old, whether you're a person that has an actual goal or even has what you might want to call a dream, it doesn't mean it happens by magic. It doesn't mean like this is one of those TV shows and it all works out at the end with a nice bow. Life is hard. Life can often be very unfair. If you don't have a plan to get somewhere, remember life is also a big competition, particularly in school. We could say all day long about how they're just there to learn and this and that and blah, blah, blah. That sounds all wonderful and everything. But the time comes for exams and the time comes for people being placed in places and it's time for them to get some general idea what direction they want to go with their life. There's competition. There's other people also facing the same things. There's only so many slots available in so many schools and so many different things and that if you're, if you're actually sending them to college. Because we don't really have much of a vocational school system in this country anymore. I hope that changes one day. Because, quite frankly, um, we, we need more plumbers and we need more mechanics and, and we need more people to fix the roofs more than we need more lawyers and doctors. And guess what? In those jobs, their skilled jobs, they actually pay just as much as doctors and lawyers. In some cases, even more. I had, I had a plumber over, over my house and the work he did and what they charged me. I swear to God, he was getting like $100 an hour. 
doctors don't even make that money. Now, is he getting enough work to where that would make sense over the annual period of time that he can make from a, a, a more than a doctor? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's really possible to get done. But I can tell you one thing, whether he's getting a lot of work or not, he's getting a lot of money. And why is he getting a lot of money? Because, uh, I don't know, um, I worked in intelligence, I'm a writer, I traveled around the world, I don't know a damn thing about mechanical stuff or plumbing. That's why he's making a lot of money, okay? And there's plenty of other people around here the same way. Yeah, I can, I can repair your heart, but I can't repair your plumbing system. That's it. It would be nice if we had those kind of schools. But let's talk about just the competition that people have to face in the actual school market situation. It, sometimes people literally change their majors not necessarily because they didn't get, uh, uh, they grow disinterest in one thing and they grow interest in another. Sometimes people do it because it's less nonsense to deal with. You know, you, you, you talk to people who, who eventually change their major to education so they can become teachers. You find a lot of people that figure, hey, that was less stressful, it was a little easy to get done, I get this over with. You wonder why we have so many teachers here in, in America that they don't seem to be engaged. They don't even seem to have the heart into it. It's just another career. It's no longer a calling like the wonderful teachers I had when I was growing up. But nevertheless, you have to deal with all that competition. It's up to us as parents, it's up to us as adults, it's up to us as writers that we need to have a plan. We need to have an actual schedule that we set in motion every day sometimes in order to be able to achieve what we're talking about. Because otherwise you're going to have other people, they're going to be more ready. They're going to be in more position. You know, success often comes for people not because they're naturally g g geniuses, but because they were more prepared Success is going to meet you on the more prepared person. It's just that simple. It's nothing Zen or magical about it, okay? You don't have to be a religious person or a skeptical person or a mystical person or, 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 or throw dice against the wall. If you prepare and you get ready for something, you have a greater chance of being successful. It's just really that simple. It's not that complicated. But you wouldn't believe how many people walk around that are unprepared for all kinds of things. I don't know why I didn't do well in that test. Uh, did you study? Oh, no, you know, I just felt I was pretty good about what I learned in the classroom, and I got a good memory. Uh, so you didn't study. What's, what is studying, folks? Studying is another way to be prepared, because if you're prepared, you have a greater chance of success. If you prepare in the test, you have a greater chance of having a higher mark in the test. Again. This is, I feel in many instances, I can't believe I'm making a show about this, but it's so commonsensical. We're not, I'm not giving you some deep secrets over here. This is not like how you're going to solve the mysteries in the universe. In fact, most, most mysteries in the universe aren't that mysterious if you think about them long enough, if you prepare for them, if you understand what's going on. This is one of those. So we oftentimes confuse what are goals with a dream. And I think sometimes we do this Sometimes because we don't want to do the preparation. We don't want to do the study. We want to put the work in until it's necessary to meet a goal. We rather call the dream so we can float around and not worry about it as much. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Something to make my parents, uh, you know, get off my back. Something to keep my coworker off my back. Something to keep my girlfriend off my back, etc., etc. And that's how, we, that's how we mess a lot of things up because we lighten the load because we don't like the stress that's involved. 
Well, anything you want to do, <laughs> folks, particularly in the arts and in writing, it's a lot of work. It definitely is stress. You have to do so many things to get anywhere. I'm not saying this is to dissuade anybody. It's just the truth. So I don't like to call writing a dream. I like to call it a goal. I have a goal to get this particular piece done. Um, I don't really have a timeline goal in it. I like to uh, get it done, you know, before I die, <laughs> at least, or before I finish dinner, you know, whatever. But you, just, you don't know. What you do know is that the more you rewrite it, the more you work on it, the more you try to tackle it at different angles, well, the more chances you're going to have something that's viable enough to send out there and get published to be noticed. And when it, when it does... It still takes you as a shock. It always does. You know, I never take it for granted at all, and it's been 37 years now. I just got one of my uh, fiction pieces uh, published in Philadelphia Stories. Thank you, Philadelphia Stories. And they sent me the, a number of copies of the magazine, uh, you know, as as a, um, a payment and a gift, and they sent me the link. I shared that with people on the Internet I know, and, you know, and ones I didn't know. But like all magazines and all people, they're busy. I never knew that they put the first line of that particular piece in a really haunting piece of artwork and then put it on Twitter. I'm not Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram. I've never had someone do that before, before me. I was, I actually noticed it by shock. Cause I, I'm one of those writers that I have a habit of checking Google every couple of weeks. You would not believe how many times you find stuff you didn't know was there. I find credits there I didn't even know was there. I'm like, when did they accept that? Sometimes people, they forget. To even send you a thing they just put it in they go about their business it happens a lot in this case they found that they never even told me they were going to do that it's just a, a pleasant surprise i mean some people that that noticed it that knew me they had some comments that was wonderful i'm just a little embarrassed that the some of them had comments before i even knew it existed but these sort of things happen and it's a, it's a beautiful thing it's a, in many ways it's a shocking thing they took the first line of the piece and made it into, you know, something that would be, uh, I guess you could say, uh, if not haunting, something that would be uh, considered like, you know, jolting or, or, or wise, or almost like an aphorism or something like that. I don't know. I mean, from, from this angle, I, I don't always feel that way. Um, I'm taking that line. I'm like still surprised, but I can be grateful because I am. But I can tell you one thing. It wasn't a dream to get into that magazine. It was a goal. And uh, I was fortunate enough to make the goal. Sometimes you don't make these goals. You're going to get rejected and you go somewhere else. You know, I usually just have a general goal by getting something published and, and being happy with the markets I sent it to. But I really wanted to be in that magazine. So um, every so often, sometimes it really happens. I'm just, just happy it did. And that we're, they were decent enough to, to see the... Um, to see the the uh, the quality in it, yeah, I could say that. I, even though I wrote it, I felt like after writing it a number of times, I finally got some some quality on it, and uh, and I worked with them to make a few other small adjustments, and you know, it worked out great. I'm really happy. But therein, therein lies really the the, the problem because. You got folks, especially in the arts and in, in writing, that for some reason, either they bought into this idea that, you know, dream this and dream that, and they don't have a plan. 
they don't have a, a way to uh, to rewrite something. They don't have a, enough of an idea about time management. They don't have, uh, in many instances, e even the uh, the uh, the internal uh, fortitude to continue when things become difficult. Because all of these things are necessary for any kind of artistic endeavor, and particularly in writing. I I'm biased or not biased, don't really care. Uh, I find writing to be far more difficult than anything else. You know, if I could sculpt, <laughs> I'd probably spend some time doing sculpting rather than having to sit there and having to rewrite write something now for the eighth time, which has happened before, and it'll probably happen again. It doesn't happen enough, thank God, but sometimes that's all you can do because the act itself of writing doesn't always capture all the things that you're feeling or that's inside your head or even what's inside your heart and that has little to do with talent and all to do with just you're not getting it something is is stopping it uh maybe you, just the other the other set of words and the other set of ideas you have are not expressing it enough so it's not coming together because when you read it you're like that's not it that happens a lot it, it, it can be frustrating it can be torture it sometimes turns people off from even doing anything artistically at all. It's a lot of work because that, that's a problem. We, we use too many of these dream words, especially in the arts, that it almost makes it like it's less hard than it is, like it's not a job, that it's not work. It is. It's a lot of work. And this is a real, real problem with people, especially younger people that don't seem to get that. You know, they look. They, they they read a book and they just think you know someone wrote that on the weekend or something or in a month, not understanding that sometimes these things can take years. And I'm just talking about a novel. I'm you do a, a number of set of smaller pieces. It still could take that amount of time. You know, I, I I'd say twenty twenty essays of mine easily could take a year. No doubt about it. And I'm doing other things as well, so that's part of the reason. But Still, it's, it's not something that you just do in five minutes. You have to deliberate. You have to rewrite. You have to rethink. Hell, sometimes you have to go to the, the enormously difficult task of, of, of refeeling something. It's not the same thing as rewriting or rethinking, I can tell you that. I'm like, well, what, what the hell did I feel before? Well, if you didn't capture it enough on, on whatever draft you're on, huh, now you got to figure out what that feeling was all about. Does a new feeling change the work now? Huh? Can you capture the old feeling? I mean, besides reading it, can you capture it somehow else in your system? Not an easy thing. But as you can tell, little to do with magic and fairies and dreams, but everything to do with reality and work. And and having and, and having an ethic and having a sense sense of, 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 of values about what you're trying to do. Alright, let's go on to this next one over here. Okay, dreams are moving acts of faith. And that's what they are. If you want to call something for whatever purpose, maybe you just like the word. I mean, like the whole concept, maybe. Instead of calling it a goal, you want to call it a dreams. Well, great. But dreams are not some floating things in the cloud somewhere where somebody is playing a harp and eating some gummy bears. No, it's an actual act of faith. It's something that you have to be moving to do. Okay, that means... Putting 
mind to notes, putting notes to computer, putting computer to rewriting, putting rewriting to finally getting what you want and then getting it out there. And even before you get it out there, you got to choose this market, you got to read this, you got to do that. If people really understood all the steps, if you added them up all together before something finally gets, you know, published, it's it's pretty enormous. <laughs> it really is. If you do them for a while, and you do them as a habit, and you do them just as what's part of the process, so to speak, you know, it might not seem as much. But if you would sit down and count them all, you're like, oh my god, you you might depress yourself for a moment there. Really, I've had to do 18 steps before I get this thing out to somebody. You know, and remember, you might still, you might still, on the other end, face things. They might not always be negative, but you still got to face things. Uh, a perfect example is Philadelphia Stories. Wonderful receptive to what I had to write. They really got what I had to say, but they still had a few adjustments they wanted me to make. You got to be open and minded and, and see you know, the wisdom from somebody else looking at it from another direction and take that and not screw it up and say, no, you take it or leave it. I mean, you, you, there'll be times when you have to do that when somebody is simply suggesting something that's ripping out the heart of what you're trying to do. That's different. But in this case, you know, they're trying to make sure that it, it has all the impact that I intended it to have. And in one case, I had, I had called a, a group of people that were uh, being persecuted by the Nazis one name where they've now been changed and they're called another name and god knows i don't want to write something about somebody who's being insensitive and and then i'm being insensitive even though i'm not trying to be just never thought about that oh yeah it's good that he reminded me about that okay i put that in there of course i also said you know i hope people even remember who these people are now because nobody knows who they are now they know the old name but the old name is no longer a applicable not by my choice or somebody else in the, in the university's choices, but by those people themselves. And you have a right, in my opinion, to define yourself. Because if you don't, somebody will define you. And that's what that was. Somebody defined them for a long time. They're like, I'm going to define myself. Well, you got to respect that. So I changed that because, yes, I, I want to make sure that, you know, it's correct along that in terms of respect. I'm not talking about some political correct nonsense. I'm just talking about honest respect. So, yeah, I'll change that. Did that. But those are things you gotta still have to tackle and deal with that you don't realize. Still a wonderful experience, but it is definitely arduous. There's no doubt about it. So dreams. It's not just something that's in your subconscious, you know, you remember when you wake up. It is like a goal. And in my opinion... In many instances, I see a big separation between dreams and goals because I always see goals as something that as long as you have the discipline and the work ethic, you will obtain them versus a dream, which is a lot harder to do even with that in mind. And a, a perfect example would be somebody that has um, some kind of physical ailment, maybe even a type of a disability. And let's say they have a physical goal, you know. And they might want to call it themselves a goal, or they might want to say, I'm going to do everything I can for this, but in many ways, this is a dream. Like somebody who's, who's taken years to finally get a chance to walk again after having back surgery or a horrible accident or something like that. They might not want to say it's a goal because they don't want to depress and fail themselves a hundred times 
and feel they're not getting anywhere. Maybe they want to say it's a dream, but they're going to still put everything into it. But it, it's a way to sort of like give yourself a little bit of emotional, I guess you could say, uh, a wall there, a little bit of security for that. I don't understand that. That's human. Maybe sometimes people use it that way, you know, but I don't want it to be used on a, with a regular person as some kind of a crutch. I think that's a bad way of going about things. I think that's a false sense of security, and in many instances, it's just a poor use of, of using the whole term dream. It should be something that may be hard, maybe not always attainable, but something that still is possible at least. Because what's not always attainable is not exactly impossible. That's why it's called a dream. So if we define it correctly that way, it makes a whole lot more sense. It also gives you a better idea where that person is coming from and maybe what the things they're challenging. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but, you know, if you if you want to run a race really physically, but you have leg problems, injuries, all kinds of other things, you know, that's that's a lot more difficult. And you're facing a lot more challenges than there's somebody that just put their head to the grindstone and put their nose to the book can go out and get that diploma and go out and best out test out or go out and, and get that uh, that thing achieved because it's highly attainable if they actually stick to the high standards of getting there where something like a dream where that person has a serious injury let's say they're coming off a you know a horrible ankle injury and they got like a like a like a metal peg down there or something now but they still they still want to run the race. They still want to, and they don't want to just run the race, be last, and say I did it because I have a bad ankle, but I did it. No, they actually want to compete. They actually want to be with anybody else who don't have something in their ankle. Well, that's a dream. Doesn't mean it's not attainable. Doesn't mean it's impossible. It means it's a whole lot of hell harder than just going around and, and running around and exercising and getting stronger and eating right and all the other stuff. And I can imagine all the stuff they have to get done because. You have to be, in many instances, stronger and lighter and more flexible and more determined than anybody else around you who already don't have to deal with that just to be able to maybe be on par with them. That doesn't mean you're going to win. You just maybe you're close enough to them at least to, to get there. That was what you would want to call a dream. It's possible, but it's not always attainable, even if somebody did everything I just mentioned. Those are the kind of dreams that can inspire all of us. And I'm not saying that someone who studies really hard gets a, you know, great grades and then now they get themselves a scholarship. I don't say that you don't admire those people. I don't say that you, know, you don't salute them. I don't say you don't say something wonderful about them. But it really isn't the same as somebody that, that overcomes serious odds. It overcomes things that most of us might not be able to do digging deep inside because that's where all that comes from you could do all the physical stuff you want but I swear to God if you don't have the razor focus if you don't have the <clears throat> the willpower <clears throat> to go beyond your body screaming in pain and your mind saying uh, a bunch of doubts and the world looking at you like you're crazy well you're just not going to make it anyway because it literally takes all of that and more that's what attaining a dream is. That's something that moves people and inspires them. That is something that you don't see that often. 
You see lots of people making all kinds of wonderful goals, and they call it dreams, they call it this, they call it that. You'll see it on LinkedIn, you'll see it on uh, Facebook, you'll see it on you know newspaper, this and that. I don't know, it's just like a parlance. But we need to know the difference. In many instances, as writers, we are not the academic person putting our nose to the to the grindstone and studying and late into the hours to get some kind of goal. We are, in many instances, dreamers because we are doing things we are not always even sure that we can do. You ever go through four or five drafts or something? I don't care what it is. And then you're wondering, what the hell am I doing? Because at, at, there's a point where you actually get exhausted. And I don't mean physically, I mean psychologically. That's the point where you actually start losing faith in that particular piece, and maybe sometimes even in yourself. That's why I tell people, that's when you need to step away for a moment. It's not a retreat. You're not giving up. It helps you get perspective. It helps you get your psychological breath again. So you go right back at it. You go back at it stronger, saying, what the hell did I stop for? I'm ready to rock here. And you will be. That's what dreams are. That's what the work that's required in them. They're acts of faith. Because every time you're doing that, Think of that person with the, with the metal bolt in, in their ankle. Every time they're, they're literally walking outside their house, it's an act of faith. And every time they're hitting that track, whether the score was good or not, it's an act of faith. Act of faith that they can do better the next day. Act of faith that they don't re-injure their ankle in some other horrible fashion and then ruin everything they're trying to do. Because remember, they could always play it safe. Hey, I could walk around right now. I could dance, you know, decently and I can have a normal life. Why do I need to do all these other things and literally risk everything that I just came out of all over again? It's not an invalid question, but it's a question that maybe a person who don't want to take any more chances will say to themselves. And that's fine. I don't really think there's something wrong with you if you don't want to take any chances on something. Sometimes people had it and that's that. Others, like the person we're talking about over here, they're not interested in hearing that because their standard is injury or no injury, bolt or no bolt, naysayer or, or, or positive person out there. I don't feel that I have the control over my life. I don't feel that I don't have a, a sense of normalcy like before this accident, before this bolt, unless I'm out there running with the best people. Unless I'm out there doing everything I can do. Unless I'm out there and I can't be third place like I'm really hoping to be and I wind up being seventh place, it's still a whole lot better than being back there in the 188th place. And those are all the people that have no bolts in their ankles. That's what a person sometimes needs to get back into the, into the world and get back into their own skin and get back into the, gaining the confidence that in many instances an injury can make you lose for a while. But we can take all of that that I just described to you, we can put that into ourselves, we can put that into our arts. It's the drive that you need more than ever to be creative in, in the day and age that we live in right now. It's an age where people are just, they're not, they're not faithful to a lot of things. They're not faithful to their values, they're not faithful to their family, they're not faithful to their spouses or their significant others. They're not faithful to the principles they talk about all day, and when you're not looking, they're doing something else. So I, 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 I don't actually wonder why people don't 
follow through on all of this writing and all this artistic stuff. Not only are we human, but they're still part of a world that doesn't have that kind of ethic. It doesn't have those kind of beliefs as much as we used to have as a people in the past. We simply don't. It's why I continue to meet more and more people who say they're writers and, you know, I, I say they're typers because I don't, I don't see anything, I don't hear anything at all that suggests to me that this is a commitment, that this is not just some hobby, that this is just not some cute thing to impress somebody and next week you're going to go to crocheting. Or even the people that have accomplished a major project like a novel, not wanting to go the rest of the way that's necessary to make sure you have a social media presence and you have a website that announces who you are and some of the things you've done before, the fact that you are peddling out this book, making communications with agents, having a marketing plan already in place, not looking or sounding incredulous when they ask you that. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Johnson, um, I got five pages here about a marketing plan that you sent me, but um, when the hell are you going to read my book? Well, don't worry about asking Mrs. Johnson that. You can ask me that right now. I'm going to tell you. After they get your marketing plan and it makes some damn sense, that's when they're going to read your book because that's how bad things are right now. It's such a business. It's such such a, 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 a craft. It almost doesn't have any artistic expression anymore or even any life to it. It's literally bean counters and, and, and baloney. That's what it is. So if you can't show them, you don't have a business plan because that's what a marketing plan is. You can't show them that you're trying to find ways already to attract people, to get their attention, to get them interested in who you are and what you're trying to do. Why should they spend any time or money on you? That's the business angle they have. Guess what? You don't have to like that. You can go home and curse it all day long. That's fine. I do too. But you've got to jump on board if you want to be with them. If not, well, you could just try independently. Sometimes that works for some people. They're able to do well enough with it. Some of them actually make a decent income. Others just use it as a launching pad to get into a, a traditional public place. You could do that as well. But I'm telling you right now, don't think the work is any easier as an independent than if you're just trying to attract the traditional public's attention from the start. It's just as much work, if not more. And some of the very same things they're asking you, you already have to do, which means you already have to ask yourself that. So if you thought you were getting away from their nagging, well, guess what? You're now stuck having to nag yourself. Otherwise, all you've done is for nothing. You look at your computer one day. I got, I got 14 copies sold. Great. This took me a year and a half to write. What am I doing wrong? Well, let me see here. Uh, nobody knows you. That would be a good point. Start from there. Uh, for someone to buy your book, they have to know something about you. They got to know it exists. They got to know you exist. They got to know why this is important, why this is interesting, why it could catch on. If you don't have a plan for that, if you don't have answers for that, and I'm telling you right now, even if your answers are not the greatest answers in the world, they are better than nothing. Because even the agent will tell you, hey, I don't know if I like all of this marketing plan, but they're not going to beat the hell out of you because at least you have one. You might get another opportunity to improve on it. They might even make suggestions. Or it could be basically say, I'm glad you gave me this plan. We think it sucks. Have a good day. 
we're going to the next person. That can also happen too. So I'm not giving you a perfect formula here. I'm not giving you some incredible solution that's going to make you successful. Nobody knows what that is. But what they do know is that the things they ask you about, you better have some decent answers for it. And in some instances, it's not just an answer. You already have done the work. You know how difficult it is to get a, a website, an author website, you know, put together in a week or two when, when somebody has just discovered you don't even have one? It's not easy to get something like that, even something like that, rushed to get done. Or even to get, develop any kind of social media presence. How are you going to get 500 friends or something like that? Hmm? In, in a week. That's why that stuff has to really be done in advance. You, before you even do that. That's what I mean about a plan. That's what I mean about taking all those different steps. Dreams mean nothing. They're just fantasies. They're just like literally thoughts in a cloud somewhere. They don't mean anything if you're not already doing the things that are necessary to put that into place to make it happen. Because that's really what a dream is supposed to be. It's supposed to be your will of faith that's going to happen because you already have all these steps that you're doing to get there. Otherwise, it really is just a dream. And you'll stop doing it, you know, maybe have a couple of kids and, and you know, be an apprentice at the plumbing company or something. Not putting it down. We need a lot of plumbers, okay? But I always felt, and I still feel, that if you want to be a plumber, go be a plumber. Just don't do it without any regrets. You make good money. It's an important job. I don't know about you, but I don't want my stuff back the hell up in the house. I got a family to run here. I got, I need it. Get over here. Let's get this done. No, I don't like your bill, but I don't like poop in my living room either, okay? So, yeah, let's, let's, let's rock and roll over here. Versus you're doing something because, you know, it pays well, but, you know, you really don't like it. And many, it's many times of the day when no one's looking, you hate yourself. Because you have regrets of the things that you didn't try to do before. I'm not one person at all to ever tell you that you can't still reignite those. I just tell people the truth. It makes it that much more difficult. It's almost like telling the, you know, the, the single mom who now really wants to go to school and, and, and do something uh, with her life more than just get involved with some guy that, that dumped her. Is that so much more more difficult now than before you had the baby? Because now you got to worry about child care. you got to worry about taking care of that child, which is still your ultimate responsibility, even more than going to college. You won't be able to do so much of it in the daytime unless you can get something that could really uh, take care of the kids that you can trust, that you can afford. Sometimes the government has a subsidy for things like this. Some places don't have that at all. There's so many different real-life things you have to deal with just to be able even to go back to school just to be able to get some degree and then go back into the marketplace and now have to tell every employer. Now, I don't have much job experience. I got pregnant early and uh, I decided to go back to school to make something of myself. I got my degree here. Can you give me a shot? That would be the best thing you could do, the best. Because you're not going to be able to, have to do school and take care of a kid and have some kind of a job. Not an easy thing. And if you do, it's... Probably going to be nothing like you're trying to become anyway in, in school. But this shows you how difficult those things are. They're not impossible. They're not even implausible. They're just that much more difficult. Because 
you didn't start out correctly the first time. You made choices that were different, and now you got to come back from that. Some people never come back, and some do. But most don't, unfortunately. They've given up, or it's just much more difficult, Or and sometimes they might even have people around them that don't care for that, don't, don't give them any support at all. Think it's, oops, a dream, but in a negative way. Ah, you should have did that before. Now, too bad. We got a light bill, and I and I need to buy a dress next week. <laughs> That's that. I still think it's impossible. I don't. I know plenty of people that have done all this. But I tell you, it's it's like climbing a ladder. If you start properly, you won't have to go as far up. If you don't, I mean, you're literally starting from like the basement. Have you ever been a ladder from the basement up to the up to the street? You ever been one of those sewer ladders? How much it is? Just to all the steps? It's like that. It's doable, but it's all that much more difficult because you got to deal with the disgusting air in there. You got to deal with all the grease and the, and the filth, and you know what I mean. Your own fear of heights and your own trying to stay focused to go straight up and. It's, it's, it's not like the world is welcoming you. It's almost like pushing you down. Yeah, you could do it, but you have to go through so much to get through that. It's the reason why, as parents, we're supposed to do everything we can with our children to help avoid some of that stuff so they could start out making some smarter decisions early and not have to make all these detours later on. And yeah, it is, it is a horrible double standard that a girl who makes some bad choices and gets herself in trouble has a, a much more difficult chance of doing all these things in life than a guy. I'm sorry to say a kid can get somebody pregnant and run away and never deal with it or, or maybe deal with, it with something in the mail and never worry about it and still can achieve some of their dreams. I know it's unfair. I know it's a double standard. It's, it's how life has always been as I've known it. And we're in the digital age now sending rockets into space and still hasn't changed. People still do these dumb things. I'm still that much more extra careful with boys than I have to make sure they understand, to be respectful, to be, to be safe, to understand uh, the consequences uh, of their actions, no matter what those are. Because there are. Especially you got kids that want to do sport things. Maybe even on a professional basis one day. Every time they do something dumb, they risk they could have injured themselves where they're never going to be able to make something out of themselves. Because they were goofing off with friends and different that. You have to live for a dream. And maybe even a goal. A certain life that respects your own boundaries as well as other people's. That respects rules and the laws. That respects... You know, the, the things of safety and, and things of sanity and things of common sense. Period. You know? I met a girl one time when I was in the Air Force. And she literally told me, because she came from one of those places that was really poor and had just a lot of horrible things going on. She said that the only way she was able to get through it on 20 different levels was... To stay away from boys and to stay away from people as much as possible other than going to school, getting the best grades she can, doing anything extracurricular she can to make it so that she can get the scholarship and get the heck out of there. And that's what she did. 
she didn't like the, the school that she wanted to go to. So she only did two years of it. I don't know why, but that's what that's what she told me. And went into the Air Force so that she could finish the rest of her schooling. She felt in many ways that it'd be easier than the, the task he had, even as a, a scholarship student, because you know it wasn't a full scholarship. It was enough that we paid all the the academic bills, but you still got to worry about you know your own lodging, and you still got to worry about food and everything. And you know, she said that was just extremely stressful in, in a different way. So she continued her. Her, her goal, her dream, her path, whatever you want to call it, in the Air Force, where they took care of the rest of that for her. And while I was finishing up, wrapping up and everything, she came back to us, and uh, she uh, finished officer training school, and, and she was an officer. So she got her full degree, rest were paid for by the Air Force, become an officer. If she wants, she can finish up that tour there, and maybe go to do something else with that experience and that degree. You know, in the civilian world, or she can make the Air Force her career and, and do very well. But the important point was she literally had to do some of the most extreme things and make some of the toughest choices, choices that meant not having a lot of friends, about not having even boyfriends in her life, to make sure that everything that she wanted to get, she was going to get. I'm not suggesting this is the way for everybody to do things, but in many ways what she did is necessary for many of us to make goals or dreams, at least on a temporary basis, that have that kind of exclusion, to have that kind of isolation, to have that kind of attention, to have that kind of focus. That's what she felt was necessary. For many of us, it is necessary to do because it's the only way we're going to be able to get it done. Some people, they're not strong enough around other people to get some of the things they want to get done because it's a distraction or they got to tell them things that maybe they don't want to have to tell them. Like, listen, you don't have things you want to do, that's fine. I'm not judging you, but I got to do this, okay? Sometimes people want to hear that. They become jerks, give you a hard time. And then you're trying to get something done, and they're over on the sidelines, you know, giving you a finger. So I understand what she was talking about, what she had to did. But what did she do? What real sacrifice did she, did she make? To me, not much of one at all. You'll have friends and, and boyfriends or whatever in the future when you're ready. You don't need them right now. Who the hell says you do? What you do need now is a future. And you need to be able to get the skills and, and to get the accreditation and, and to make the options in your life that you were not going to have before. Your boyfriend ain't going to be doing it for you. You know? And guess what? Usually your friends and family are not going to be too much helpful either. They're either talking about Hallmark dreams when they haven't done anything themselves. Or they don't even understand what the hell you're doing. Which is really difficult for someone to support you when they don't even understand what you're trying to do. Are they bothering to find out? No. So, in the end, I don't want to be mean here or anything, but you can't have somebody supporting you if they don't understand what you're doing. And I don't care if they're a friend or a relative. In the end, in my opinion, they're a bystander. And I think she understood that. In the end. Sometimes that's, what, that's a bystander. I don't need another bystander. You're going to help or you're going to get the hell out of the way. I mean, because you really can't have anything in between. But I don't feel she made any real sacrifices. She did exactly what she's supposed to have done. Now she's a woman with confidence. Now she's a woman with a degree. Now she's a woman with some officer, you know, training and leadership. Now she's somebody that has options. She could stay and do tremendous things, maybe become a general one day. She can leave after a while, maybe not make that a career, and, and go find something else. 
she's going to do wonderful with a, with a solid, solid resume. But that's what she did. She set herself up so she can have options. Now, you know, you want to have a friend or two. You want to have a boyfriend or whatever. You want to have a love life or a social life or whatever you want to call it. Well, it's not so difficult to do now. Because you've gotten all the important things out of the way first. I think that's the problem with us and in society is we want everything now. We don't want to prioritize things. You know, and then we're like, yeah, they failed. Uh, I guess the dream didn't happen for them. This, folks, there's no such thing as the dream didn't happen for somebody, okay? The dream isn't a magical creature someplace that lays on your head if you're cool and does it on others who are not. It's all about your plan, all about your work. Sometimes all about the things, even if it's a temporary basis, that you're willing to sacrifice. You know, you ever see some of these Olympic athletes or these some of these professional athletes, the stuff they do, they've had to do? Not having a lot of friends around. You know, I've seen some of these tennis players that they, they, they tell you in interviews, and if you listen to them carefully, you're hearing some horrendous things. Yeah, I'm getting up six o'clock in the morning, and and um, um, I got pulled out of school so that we could homeschool, so I could do four or five hours on the court, and then I homeschool with a, with a professional tutor that comes in, and then in the evening I do a little bit of more, I do some swimming for some training. We're talking about somebody that literally from twelve to sixteen hours a day is either training or doing educational stuff. And when it's all said and, uh, and done, they're literally getting a GED. Because they're not formally in school anymore. Now, this doesn't mean they're not intelligent. It doesn't mean none of this stuff counts. But look at all they're doing with their lives just to be able to get there someplace. You know, even, I don't know if you realize this, but you don't have to be the world's ranked tennis player to do well. Okay? Bad tennis players make an enormous salary because of sponsorships and, the, and the, just the basic money you get for going into these tournaments. Golfers are the same way. There'll be golfers out there you might see on TV every now and then. Who the hell is that? You don't even know who they are. But look them up. Look them up on the internet. I don't know who this person is. This dude already has $600,000. <laughs> He's learned so far. He's only been playing golf for two years. Okay? After you pay your caddy and your taxes, do the math. Nobody even knows his name. He's already making like $150,000 a year. I'm not saying that to brag on anybody. I'm not telling you that that's what you should be doing. But I'm going to tell you that all of those sort of people that do that sort of stuff, they do this because that's not just a dream, it's a goal. But nevertheless, they have a lot to do to get there. And when they get there, you know, they become like they become like a Tiger Woods type of person. Somebody that has spent so much time in the business, so to speak, that in many ways they, you know, they could be socially awkward. They could be people that in many ways are not even emotionally developed. And that's why a lot of these people often fall themselves into addictions and emotional problems and, and make all kinds of relationship mistakes because they haven't lived a, a traditional, normal life. You know, you talk to people like this and they, they might tell you before they turned pro, they had like one or two girlfriends or something or one or two boyfriends. Some of them didn't have any at all. That's not normal. So, I mean, you, you know as well as I do, by the, the time you get to your, your career, you probably already, uh, you know, dated like 10, 15, 20 people already. That's normal, but this sort of thing is not. Lots of stuff about a normal life has been jettisoned out. 
Sometimes for writing, we have to do some similar things. It's what makes some people very clustered sometimes. Sometimes it makes them very nonconformist about things. Sometimes it makes them quite shy or, you know, even we, we know from plenty of writers that's the case. These are some of the reasons why. All right, the last uh, uh, segment here is when dreaming is not enough. I think we talked a great deal about that. Dreaming is not enough. Not enough to say I can't wait to write that great American novel. No. Doesn't mean anything. What means something is you start figuring out what you want to do, what you want to write about. How are you going to build this into your schedule of life? The job you have, or maybe even the, possibly the career you picked that you'll think will make you enough financially secure. What's going to happen if you have a wife and children, or a husband and children, or maybe just a husband and then they want children, and you're still trying to write things. Also, all the things that people who want to take this seriously have to navigate through. Because those things are not going to go away. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you ignore your husband enough and don't want to have kids and you just want to keep writing. Uh, that might go away. He, he might go away <laughs> forever. <laughs> maybe that's a good thing for you. Maybe not. I don't know. It's up to you. But what I do know is that life will get into the way. Because it's supposed to get in the way. It's there. You have to live it still. You don't get to not live it because you want to be a writer. You have to navigate and do certain things. Maybe certain things you do. Maybe certain things you don't do. Maybe certain things you want to delay, etc. I've I've talked to people all over the place over the years. I'm curious about things like this. I've talked to women that tell me that they put they put the getting the master's degree aside, even not getting the promotion at the job because they didn't have the master's degree because they wanted to finish the novel. They felt that was more important. It's up to other people whether that's a correct decision or not, because it's their life. I can imagine them having friends and relatives. What are you doing? We really need another romance novel? You know? I'm not saying that's a bad uh, thing to ask. I don't even think it's disrespectful. But I also, you could always say to them, really, we need another chick with, with a master's degree? Huh? I need to have a baby right now? Like, we don't have enough in the world? You just can't wait a little while? So those are also fair things to say back. So, and I've heard that as from, from somebody who told me that, literally told the guy, I got this project I'm doing and I plan to get it done. And if it takes longer than I, then you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to wait. We're not starting a family until this is done. This is done. We start family. And the guy was, was decent and faithful enough to, uh, to abide by that. But she laid it down. Boom. Sometimes you might have to do something like that. In a relationship, in a family, in a friendship, in a work environment, whatever the hell. I know some ladies, she told me that she thought in many instances her job was in jeopardy because she continued to decline the voluntary, which is funny, the voluntary overtime because she wanted to use that time when she got back to go get some more done, more work done on her, on her writing, on the project that she was doing. She had somebody that was really watching the kids until until the dinner was made, and this little Lily was literally running around making dinner, doing some writing at the table duh, 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 for the kids to come back from the from the trainer, and she couldn't do the overtime. As you could see, she had a whole plan there, tight, kind of rough. God bless her, but she had a plan. Why? Because dreaming is not enough. You want that done? 
Well, sometimes you also want to be married to somebody that's wonderful, and sometimes you want to have kids that you love, and sometimes you, you know, you you like to be able to get more done in your in your work, and and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you got to find out what the priority is and then put it into place. And sometimes things are not on different levels of priority. I'm sorry to say, but you're going to have days as a modern person where the priority is the equal to the writing, to the children, to the marriage, and to the job. They're all on the same level on some days. You can't even figure out which is going to be ahead of what. And then other things, you got to do something. Some days you're like, wow, I'm not feeling my best. i got a lot of stuff to do on this other project over here. I need to put this, this writing thing aside for a couple of days to go get that done, and then go back to it. Sometimes it has to take a back seat. Other times, other things will have to take a back seat. Honey, you have to go to the soccer game for this. I'm on the roll. I got to get something done over here. I'll go next time. That's the kind of things you have to do. You got to work with people and hopefully that they're going to work with you. Sometimes that'll work. If you tell people in advance, you know, if you try to plan it along that way, you're going to find plenty of opportunities to have that happen. Other times it won't. Sometimes things won't give and you got to figure out what's going to give. Are you going to give? Is the writing going to give for a little while? Is something else going to give? You can throw up your hands in the air and scream. I don't know. You're going to have those things that are going to happen too. Because just because all these things are a priority doesn't mean you're always going to have the strength for all these things at the same time. Or you're always going to have the time for all these things at the same time. Or you're even always going to have the strength. Of the, I don't, can't tell you how many times that I've written. And I haven't felt that my creativity was dulled. But I've been written where I didn't get a lot of sleep, where I was writing under the weather, where I, I was doing podcasts sometimes with horrible voice. Even right now I'm doing one and my voice isn't the best. I'm trying to be measured and, and, and let it go through. You know, it's this way I can get it done and over with and be happy with the show, but understand that, you know, I still got to do, do things to do uh, with my voice and I don't really want to have it run out. Those are the choices we have to make. These are about choices as well as they're about priorities. Sometimes they're about sacrifices. They're not long ones. Sometimes they're temporary ones. But they're not. doesn't mean that they're easy to make. I don't, I don't want to sound like some kind of nerdy weirdo. But uh, you know, I, if I put down writing for a couple of days, regardless of the legitimate reason or not, I never feel great about that. I always feel like, uh, Really? You know, I always felt like I'm leaving myself down, so to speak. But it has to get done sometimes. That's just, there's no way around it. I had to do that sometimes even with the show. It takes a lot of energy to put it together, kind of outline it enough to where it makes some sense, talk about it in many ways expertly, and, 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 and sound interesting and, and intelligent and hope that makes a connection. Not so easy, because no different... Then we're talking about dreaming is not enough. It's no different with the podcast. Every time I come up with something, in essence, you could call that a goal, or you because I put a little outline on the paper, or you could just say it's just a dream. Because until I record it, <laughs> that's really all it is. But it's not enough. I got this great idea about this show. Yeah, what, what does that mean? Not much of anything until I do it. And I've had some ideas about shows that I didn't even think came out well. Sounded good at the time, though. <laughs> you know, and then you have some others that you're not sure about, and people are like, this is great. So, 
Credibly enough, you could do something like this and you don't even know if it's going to have an impact. If, if it's worthy enough. If it's something as good as some of the things you might have thought were good. Or others have thought were good. Who knows? It's all a risk. It's all part of a plan. And it's all part of a, a, a design. And it's all part of a, a jumble of mix of priorities that we have to do as people. But it's the only way to get these sort of things done. You know? And I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound creepy, but uh, I always felt, I don't know if this might be controversial or not. If it is, it is. I don't, I don't really don't care. But uh, I always felt that um, I can do writing, and I can still have a voice, and, and all the things that I do, and I can still have a family, and still be a part of them, and not be like other writers that, you know, it was some accident later on along the road. Or they just didn't care about it. they just doing it out of the purpose of doing it for the family. Here, here's some grandkids. Let me go back to my novel now. You know, some people are like that. And I'm, I'm not really criticizing or judging them because that's just how some people are. We've seen it in the past with other writers. It's not that unusual. I just always said to myself, because I'm much more of a planner than I am somebody that believes in spontaneity. In fact, my my funny my funny joke about spontaneity is yeah, spontaneity is for people who don't have a plan. <laughs> That's just me. That's just Mark saying that. That's just my feeling about it. It's jokey, you know. But yeah, hey. But um, I always felt that um, I could do all that. Whether that played into me doing this when I was much older, because remember, I'm a much older person. People right now my age have grandkids. They don't have regular kids still in school. I don't mean college either. I mean regular school. So I don't know if that played into it or not. But in the end, it's worked well for me. I felt that um, I was able to do what I want in writing and continue to do so. I mean, you're never really happy or satisfied with everything you do in writing because... You always wonder if you do something bigger or better or better or whatever. You know, you always do. It's, it's hard to, you know, to be completely satisfied. I always feel, and maybe it's, a, maybe it's the wrong way to feel, but I always felt that if I was really, really satisfied one day, maybe I wouldn't be, you know, so ready to jump back into it. Because I'd be like, yeah, okay, I did something cool and I'm good. Who knows? Maybe... Maybe being completely unhappy or unsatisfied about some of the things you do. Maybe that's what the engine that gets you going. Maybe that's the energy you use to figure out the next day. I don't know. Or maybe that harms you and your, your mental health or your physical health. I, I honestly don't know. But what I do know is that those are, those are my feelings about it. And that's why I can continue. Because I still believe that I have something more I want to do. When I stop believing, I'll stop writing. But I'm also, you know, pretty comfortable with uh, with the parenting thing. It's, it's definitely a harder job than I ever thought it was going to be. But I can see from the way other people have encountered it that there's no way I'm doing any worse than they are. <laughs> That's for sure. And in many instances, I'm probably doing a lot better because I want to make sure that my definition of having some preparation it goes into them, that they understand when they when they go to school or one day when they leave school and, and, and start a life and, and maybe even meet somebody and, and start a life that some of those ideas about you know sitting down and writing down a plan or sitting down and, and coming up with something that makes some sense is a whole lot better 
you know, than just throwing dice out the window. You're going to have plenty of opportunities in life where we don't have any choice but to take a risk because you won't have the time or the energy or even the patience to put together a plan. Sometimes you have to risk things. That's just what life is. But I found more times than not, you do have the time to plan. And more times than not, you should have a plan in place. I don't care if it's a sucky plan. It's still better than nothing. Even people with bad plans are better with people with no plans. I found that to be the case many a times. So to me, there's never really been a big excuse to not have a plan all the time, to not be prepared. Those kind of people, they're running on luck and fumes. And this is not the way to be living. Not in the kind of world we have right now. We just You can't. You gotta be. You gotta be smarter than that. Not intellectually, just you know that that kind of street wisdom, smart of just having some common sense and being aware. You know, wondering why you're not successful because you don't have a plan, or wondering why you're not successful because you're always late. Well, hey, you gotta be on time. You gotta have a plan. These are the corniest cliches that I could probably say on on a show. <laughs> they really are. Maybe some of them are actually in a Hallmark card. But some cliches like those, they simply are completely true. You can't get any more than that. You can't manage by exception, folks. It's the business rule. It's the rule of many things in life. you got to manage by the standards. Which means you've got to be able to judge things by the standards. You can't judge things by... a. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be a professional basketball player because this one kid, and he never finished college, and he was just playing on the on the court, and then, incredibly enough, uh, an agent was driving by, and the car conked out, and he went to go get help, and he didn't have a cell phone with him, and incredibly, he saw that kid and said, hey, it's a good scouting incident, and next thing you know, he's making millions of dollars in the NBA. That actually happened once. Once, out of thousands of people that are out there, even with plans. See, so you can't manage by these miracles. You can't manage by the exceptions. You can't manage by all these mysteriously, accidentally cool things that happen. Because they do happen. But when they happen, they happen infrequently. They happen in an outside manner where people talk about that more than they talk about the kid that simply studied, did his test, did well enough on his grades, practiced enough, and he made the cut into doing something like that. I don't know. We don't celebrate something like that. It's not important. We always want the miracle and the exceptional things and the accidents and the crazy, sexy stuff. Even though that stuff is actually rare, it's far and in between all of the stuff that you have to do. So you don't want to guide yourself by that. In fact, in many instances, you won't even waste your time paying attention to that stuff. You're not jealous. You're not upset. You're just like, good, I'm glad... God gave you a break, but I'm over here trying to work and do my thing. Because uh, maybe his attention is on you and not on me. i got to be on my own, my own attention. That's an old thing my mother used to say. Just kind of a joke. But <laughs> it's just a way to remind me about that again. Like I'm telling you what I was reminded when I was young. You know? Have a plan. Have, have an answer, even if it's a crappy one. Know what, what is expected of you. Know what's expected of the things you're trying to do. You can't run in there with, I don't know, but I, I want to I be, be a welder. You know, okay. <laughs> what do you know about that? Now 
in this age that we live in right now, and as difficult as can be on many social fronts, we're living in an age now where I feel, for writers or for anybody, it could be the plumber or IT guy, now more than ever there is simply no real excuse for being ignorant about things. The brokest kid on the block has a, has a smartphone, okay? All right, the kid that the parents can't afford the internet, they can go to the library down the block, go into the internet, find the answers and the research that they need. Ten cents, hit, hit a button and print it out and bring it back home, keep reading it and understand what's going on. All of the knowledge that we need for so many things is out there already. You just got to get it. Start learning it, incorporating it into your life, making your plan. There's no reason. It's not like when I was growing up where, you know, the, the, the library could be across the, 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 the town and it's a big walk and you only have so many hours and you got to go over there and sit down and read. and do. It's a, a long journey to do all that stuff. All possible, but it's much more difficult. It wasn't as convenient as it is now. It, it's there's always going to be access for you to for do these things always nobody I don't care who you are where you live at don't have this even if you're in the rural area and it's three hours to a library I'm sure after you do all your farm work okay the library is going to be open for some hours on the Saturday you can get the hell over there by taking a uh, ride or a hitch or, or somebody to drop you over there and get what you got to get done and get back now you got stuff you can be checking out for the rest of the week so there's no real excuse other than people either not caring, not taking it seriously, or, or just simply being lazy. There's simply none. And I don't really want to hear any more of those excuses because it doesn't make any sense. Things have been put together. We have way too convenient lives as it is. Use all of that. You'd be shocked at how many people that have been successful and you talk to them and then you realize... And I don't make light of their success. And I'm not mocking anybody. But you'll talk to people. And you're like, wow, this person achieved a lot of stuff. And then you find the person that, to you, and even to me, they don't seem that remarkable. They don't really seem that brilliant. They're not, there's not a glow over their head. Okay? Why is that? Why is that? Because they've made... Something that can be attainable, obtainable, because they simply had some discipline. They simply had some some reasonable goals. They had the information on hand to help them get there. They did what they had to do to get there. Some might have had to work harder than others. You know, depending on your talent and your learning curve and all of that, some things come easier than others. That's just, that's just life and humanity. But... You're not going to find some, some Einstein. You're just not. You'd be shocked by that. So I think sometimes we make these things into dreams when they didn't have to be. And we make them seem farther than they are. I don't know if that's a vanity thing or if that's a self-pity thing or if that's a self-destructive thing or if that's just a way of being exaggerative to make it look cool. I don't really know. But what I do know is that it isn't always that hard. And the people that do it aren't always the super, super bright people. This is regular people like you and me. Don't mean that you don't respect them. Doesn't mean that you don't honor what they did. 
okay? But it doesn't make any sense to make them a Superman when they're just a regular person. Maybe sometimes you have to be on a limited basis, a sort of a Superman to get certain things done. I mean, I face it, if you're really good on most subjects but you suck at math, <laughs> you're going to have to find a Superman in you somewhere to get that done. I mean, and, and all the other stuff comes easy. Okay, fine. But you'll notice. And if you notice that they seem to be all that regular, to me, I always felt that was a way to, to give myself some relief. Oh, thank God. I don't have to be some kind of freaking genius to get this sort of thing done. Look at this person. If they did it, then I can do it. There's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong in perceiving that, even if it's not true. Maybe they are a genius and just they want to cover it up pretty well. I don't know. But there's nothing wrong to perceive it that way. Hell, there's nothing wrong to even believe it that way. And, and if you think about it, in the primitive sense of all of it, it's a sort of an inspiration. I mean, as long as you're not being cocky about it, as long as you're not being disrespectful, well, friggin' that dork did it, and I can definitely do it. I mean, you don't want to go to that to that area. You don't really know them to know if they're a dork or not, but you, you can tell enough of them to tell that, well, this is just a, a, a regular dude like me. This is a regular gal like me, you know? That's what you would say. I've used that lesson with other people, especially young people in the past, a number of times. So that they don't get themselves into their heads too much stress for no good reason. And they wind up taking a test or they wind up meeting people. They wind up doing things and going, am I just that much smarter? Because it seemed easier. And I usually say, without being, without being a jerk, it's a good chance that you made it seem harder than it really is. So, no... I don't really know if you were any more brighter than you thought it was. Who knows? You might not even know. But I have a really good idea that a lot of times we make things harder than they should be. Whether it is to ask that, that girl you uh, always uh, wanted to talk to for like, I don't know, two years on a date or, or a coffee or something. And then you find out, wow, that was really easy. You might even find out later on she's going to say, in so many words, what took you so long? This is how we have to look at a lot of things. In writing, in the arts, even in life. Don't make it farther than it is. Don't make it with a dream if it's a goal. And if you make it in the dream, don't make it all mystical and, and spiritual and, and religious. Make it practical. Make it hard work sure because it, if, if it is a dream as I defined it it is a little bit more hard work than a goal but it is possible to do I don't know the people that say all things are possible and nothing is impossible I don't know about that I'm a little bit more uh, I guess you could say anal about things in, in general I know that there are certain things that are, that are impossible and that's fine I don't have a problem with that because the things I found in my life that are impossible anyway, I don't really give a crap about doing them. So, <laughs> good. Let them be impossible. Don't care. You know? That's how I pretty much write it off because I really mean that. But what I do know is it's all about how you're going to believe in yourself and how you're going to formulate a plan to take that faith 
the next step because that's what a plan is a plan is faith in action no this is not a church sermon here no this is not a religious bible study class but these concepts whether you hear it from somebody like likes jesus or muhammad or you hear it from me who's just simply a writer they have the same relationship to how you're going to be successful how you're going to handle the the, the things that life is going to throw at you because plans and faith and some of the confidence and the strength that you get from those things they help you weather those things they help you eventually become successful and i say eventually because sometimes things take longer than that you know i mean i'm happy when i told you my most recent credit very happy with it but i've had others that i, I swear it took years and it happens you know you have sometimes you have a, a bunch of things that all started happening so you're great and then you might have months of just like Ugh, i'm in the desert i got no water and i'm getting thirsty and i need some kool-aid you know and you don't get it so you have to have all those into place because you don't have the strength okay and you don't have the confidence you don't have the faith they're not there for you to use on the great days. You don't need them on the great days. They're there to be tucked somewhere inside you to pull out when it's raining. When you're stuck in the desert and you can't find any Kool-Aid. Okay? When when McDonald's won $150 for a Big Mac. <laughs> That's when you need to be putting those things out. Okay? Because you need them when times are bad, when times are rough, when things look thick. That's when you pull those things out. You don't need them on the good days. But you're going to have your bad days, and that's when you need them. That's when you know the difference between whether you can stick with something or not. I mean, sure, we can all stick with writing when we're getting published every other day. People saying we're great and da-da-da-da. But can we stick with writing? Can we live with the arts when you get months of rejection letters? When you actually get rejection letters where they actually contact you and say things to you that you can't even believe they even able to say. This sucks, this, 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 that. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff, believe it or not. I don't even waste my time replying about it because what's the point? Not because I believe in this burn bridge crap, because I don't. That's never been a part of my philosophy. If I'm not happy with you and I think I need to reply or I think I'm going to say something to you in person or not, it's going to get done. If the, the bridge is burnt, whatever. Don't really care. You know? Because to me, um, what's the point of the, the bridge burnt or not? If I'm not, I'm not interested in crossing that particular one again. I don't give a crap if it's burnt or not. So that's always been my philosophy. Sometimes it's just not worth it because you're like, you don't know where people like that are coming from. But when you're, when you're down, when you feel out, when it's been a long time when you heard anything positive... I don't care who you are and how much stuff that you saved over to you. Yeah, it, it, it takes a toll. It, 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 it does hurt you. It, you know, and even something like that. I tell editors all the time when we have roundtables. Most of them probably don't even listen to me anyway because I'm always the, quote, radical, controversial, whatever person. I'm never the normal editor. I'm always the weirdo or something. But, oh well, I'm who I am. But I always tell them, how about you measure your words? How about you actually be an editor? How about you tell somebody, even if you hate their work, maybe something that they can use to improve it. Maybe there's something they can use to look in another direction 
that can help them improve it. Other than every line on this thing sucks and da 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 da. I get plenty of stuff at my journal that I don't like. It doesn't meet my kind of standard that I don't even like the direction it's going into. Sometimes the content is just beyond what I, I, I prefer to publish, period. Not always bigoted. Sometimes it's most boring. Those are the two Bs I get, the boring or the bigoted. But to me, they're both uh, sins in my book, okay? I still say something that's useful. To say something that's not makes no damn sense. You're just hurting people. That's not my point. I'm not rejecting you to hurt you. I'm rejecting you because there's a reason why I'm not taking it. And unlike 50 other thousand editors that don't seem to have the guts or, 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 or the wherewithal to actually say something, to just give you a soulless form letter, I will say something. Well, you can hate me later or you can not like me and never submit again. Oh, well. But I'm not going to perform in that stupid manner. I believe something different. And I practice what I'm saying. I've I've, hit, I've had to hit people with some hard stuff sometimes on rejection letters. Sometimes like a couple of paragraphs. But it's not something that leaves them hopeless. It's not something that's endlessly negative. Sometimes it's straight constructive. Why did you choose this versus that? How is this line much better than this one? What are you thinking about this title? It doesn't even seem to have a connection to what you're writing. Stuff like that. Things that make them think. It makes them first think... He didn't take this because he's serious about these things. And maybe I should be revisiting these things. Sometimes they come back with a million times improved product, a poem, whatever you want to call it, and boom, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'll take it. I'm happy because they're listening and, and it's a lot better. And it's not a lot of better because Mark said it's a lot better because I'll have somebody else read it and they'll say, hell yeah, that's a lot better. There you go. It works by giving people good advice. How are they going to get their dreams otherwise? No, I'm not suggesting the editors are the, the last line to help you out. Or, or they're supposed to spend all day trying to do the work for you. Because that's not really their job. But their job is to be honest. Is to get, give some tips and some direction. And a lot of them don't even do that, unfortunately. I wish more did. I've been fortunate to come across ones I have. Especially with my own work. So I'm, I'm blessed, you know, that wonderful woman that had Philadelphia story is great, my God. I, I wish there were more people like that out there. I really do. She should give a class on how to be an editor. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, I'd bust all the people in I know that should go to her class. Yeah, I'll go myself, hell with it. I, I got nothing to lose and I, I got nothing to be afraid of. Maybe I'll learn something more. As an editor, not just a writer, but still, that's how people can help. But even with that said, in my final word here, folks, and I don't want to sound like Prince in one of his songs about, you know, you're on your own. You know, I know it sounds romantic and cool and with the guitar playing in the background, but there is a lot of truth to that because you're going to have those days. You might not have a lot of them, but you're going to have those days where your muse is not there and your energy is not there. Your concentration is not there and your spouse is bugging you about the garbage and, and the electric bill and 
your children running around not giving a crap about anything other than the Pokemon, and you know your your teacher from your class is is saying your your paper isn't all that great, and and the editor is saying crap about you, and your friends think you're an idiot from even writing in the first place. You're gonna have all of that sometimes on you. Sometimes you're gonna feel that not only are you on your own, you don't even know if you got yourself on your side. <laughs> That's how bad things can be sometimes. You're going to have all of that. And still. And that's why I tell people to save these things. Save the works that you think are great. That especially if they've been good publics. Go back and read them. They refresh you. They give you energy. They tell your spirit. you got no right to be sad. Look at this. You did this. Those good notes you're going to get from. from, from sometimes you're going to get those from editors. Or even from other writers. They're kind of giving you a little. Save that stuff. Pull it out when you need it. You know, like break glass when there's a fire, or break glass when you're when you're when you're friggin' sad. Okay, this writer thinks I'm pretty cool. This editor says, "Hey, I got a lot of, a lot of potential here." Or they publish something from you, and not just publishing it, they said something wonderful. I wanted my piece uh, a good a good published in a Canadian magazine, and God bless them. But and I'm not trying to sound ungrateful because I'm not. I'm very happy they published it. I really wanted to get that published. But the person went on for like a paragraph of how great everything was. And, and God knows I love it. I'll need it one day to, to look at it when I have those bad days. You know? But sometimes you get, you get the news of being published and you're just happy with that. But it's even that much more extra when you get somebody that does that. You're going to need those. You're going to need to pull those out. You're human. It's important. So please try to keep that in mind as much as you can. All right, folks, that's my last show there for the month of July 2021. Next month, we're going into the uh, MindSpeak, uh, more episodes of that, where I'm doing more global arts and global affairs. I'll be talking about some different cultures and countries. I'll be talking about sometimes loosely uh, shows in the arts that might necessarily be by writing at all, although I might try to bring writing into it whenever I can because I like doing that. But I, I, I'd like to be able to talk to somebody who can tell us something about being a ballerina. Or maybe being a singer, or or, or maybe just uh, writing songs, or, or somebody that does something with clay. I like to talk with that lady over in England that does that tideline art that I see on the Facebook all the time. I follow her. She does a curious thing where she waits for the tide to leave the Thames. That's how I pronounce it. That the river there in London. It could be pronounced somebody else, by some British person. Sorry, guys, I'm American. Okay. That's how I pronounce it. She waits for the tide to go. She picks up all these strange objects, sometimes three, four hundred years old, that people threw into the into the river. Some of them she could she could sell as a whole object. Other things she can create different art and jewelry with, and then she sells it so that she can, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, what is it, uh, subsidize? Um, I think a literacy class and a prison. She might do other things beyond that, but I think that's one of the things she was doing. And it's incredible. The interesting thing about getting it, they call it mud locking. That's the official term. What that means, I don't really know. To me, to me, it's just like treasure detecting without the treasure hunters machine, medical detector thing. To me, that's what it is. It sounds hell of interesting. It's definitely cool. I love seeing the pictures of it. 
I love the art stuff they make. I like that the, the final product is it's just about putting money in your pocket. You're helping somebody. You're trying to help the community. I don't know if you know anything about prisoner people, but guess what? They tend to not go back to prison if they actually can read a book <laughs> and learn a few things about the world and maybe go get themselves a job and go have a life. Okay? Because I'm not like, I don't want people in jail forever, but I don't want them killing and hurting people either. So it'd be nice if we could do something constructive to get them back on, on the right road. And that woman's doing something good all the way around. She's interesting artistically. She's interesting socially. You know? And and, and quite frankly, uh, call me a jerk later. I don't care. But sometimes we, we do too much of this political crap. And, and it doesn't do anything for anybody. I don't care what side you're on. Political this, political that, blah, 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 blah. A bunch of words. Big deal. Okay? You want to do some words? Write a damn poem. That will make more impact in your politics. There's somebody that, uh, that they might have a political idea about what they want to do about prison reform, but instead of just talking about it and, and, and protesting about it, okay, and starving themselves in, in, in some kind of a video about it, they're actually doing something constructive about it. Interesting and artistic, morally and ethically, all the way around. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be more happier and excited for a person doing something that I feel is incredible across the board. I would love to get that person on the show one day. I hope they're available. I hope they're willing to do it. Who knows? They might be painfully shy. I don't know. People are different. You know what I mean? They might have no problem going into a river and pulling out, you know, pirate treasure, but they might not be able to say anything on a podcast. I don't know. But I'm, I like to believe that maybe we can get something like that. It's, it's interesting as hell. And I can imagine all the stories that this person would have, you know? And she's, a, and she's a woman to boot, so she's doing something that's extra courageous. Because I don't know about you, but uh, normally when you're a woman, you don't think about going into a, side of, uh, a jail with a bunch of guys. It's not exactly on your bucket list, <laughs> you know, so God bless her in many ways. So I want to do stuff like that, too. It'll be interesting and fun, a different kind of direction. I still love writing. I still love writers. I still believe in it. None of that has changed. You know, I just want to be able to do some different things now because... I don't even know sometimes if um, I'm making the impact I want. Sometimes I just see people, they just do whatever they want anyway. And if that's the case, and they don't need me as much. Maybe I just need to continue what I'm doing and, and try to have some fun and, and inspiration and education in, in, in these different directions as well. You know, and that's, that's really all I can say that to be as honest with you as I can. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not shaken by the experience of, of people just not listening as much as I'd like them to listen. Uh, but, you know, it, it can be disappointing at times because the things that we talk about on the show, the things that are out there in reality, there's not lots of ways around them. Either you're going to face them and do them or you're going to keep looking for shortcuts and not getting anywhere. And unfortunately, we have a society and more and more people, that's what they do. You know? So... I don't know if that's ever going to change, but it's never going to change me. I can tell you that right now because I'm not changeable in those kind of ways. The things I believe are the things I know that work and the things that I feel are the best ways for people to get somewhere. If they feel they can find something shorter, I mean, you got to give that a shot, I guess. All right, folks, thank you very much for all the support and the emails. They keep coming. That's great. Um, I'm still going to be doing like an email show every couple months as well 
trying to talk about maybe just some of the shows that uh, the mind speakers come up with, or maybe the other ones we do, and then of course some of the writing ones. So I expect that that's still going to continue, just on uh, maybe more broadly across things. You might do a show where we're literally talking about writing in one pan and Afghanistan in the other hand, and Paris in the other hand, and you know tide line art <laughs> as they call it in the other hand. And, and that'll be just as interesting and as, and as fascinating, okay? All right, folks, you take care and God bless. Thank you very much. Mark Antirazzi, Strength to be Human When Dreaming is Not Enough, Episode 213. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.